It's time for Cofield and Company. Garoppolo with his legs about to seal this game for the Raiders here in Denver with an eight-yard scramble. Raiders are going to walk back to the far sideline, and the clock's going to tick to zero, and Las Vegas is 1-0. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go on a Monday, early start. Just so you know, every Monday and Thursday with Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, right here on ESPN Las Vegas. We step aside a little bit early, go to the national feed, so that's coming up at 5 o'clock. But up until 5, we got a bunch of good stuff to break down. Talk about uh, my road trip a little bit to Ann Arbor, Michigan. That was interesting. Raiders road trip to Denver. That got real interesting. They come out of the gates with a win, uh, I think, against... What we thought on the show, I can't remember who JVT picked, but uh, we'll uh, try to get John's pick later on, uh, at least recall what his pick was. I know you and I were against, not rooting against him, but we thought the Broncos would come out with a win, right? Or did you did you pick the Raiders? I picked the Raiders because okay. they own the Broncos. Okay. Well, they, they still do. They still do. Um, you have a look of uh, like mystery on your face. Like You don't know what to expect today. I don't. It's football, man. I'm excited. Okay. All right. I didn't know if uh, you were judging how I was behaving. Very quiet today. Yeah, very you are. Spa- I'm very spacey. Uh, I felt like I almost got in like five accidents, but most of them were just pulling out of my parking spot and driving around parking lots. There were three different times. I almost uh, T-boned Q. I mean, it would have been like a four-mile-an-hour <laughs> T-bone, and I believe that is a brand-new car he has, so that would have been an epic way to start off the run with a new car. So... I was going to say, where have you been driving? But even here. I've been out of it, man. I was down at UNLV today, and uh, I think I almost backed into someone, and then I almost, again, T-boned someone. They all would have been like six-mile-per-hour collisions, but... Are you just not looking? I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm thinking about stuff from the football weekend, and some of the stuff I was worked up with and happy with, and I'm just spacey. I'm just spacey. I'm like, I'm ready to recap the weekend, and I'm already looking at the lines for next week, and I'm like, overreaction in the NFL, overreaction in college football... So we'll go through all of it. Um, first of all, we have to jump out of the gates on one of the bets we made, and we're going to make more. These are the best time to make the bets on this show, is reacting to what we saw in week one and sometimes overreacting. So you and I were on the side of Justin Fields and the Bears in terms of what's going to happen this season, and Von Tobel was on the side. And by the way, John's coming up. Um, he'll actually be out today at Twin Peaks. So he's not, he's not on the air with us, but he's going to be out of Twin Peaks today, 4.30 to 6.30, hosting a uh, ESPN Las Vegas Monday Night Football shindig as we got Monday Night Football on the way with uh, the Jets and the Bills. But we were squarely, the two of us, against John on Love versus Fields. My Lord. And it just got worse as the game went along. This interception by the Packers and the lack of tackling on the play, and Fields was even in the mix trying to make the tackle, but he, cut, he got cut off. But this is... And this is a bad sign. I'm not. You're going to find out today. I'm not going to freak out about some of the stuff I saw in Week One. I know this is what we're supposed to do on Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to play some examples of I think stupid freakouts. But this was the Packers bringing one back. I think at this point they this was uh, to push the score up to like 38-14. Field stands in, delivers, intercepted. Clay Walker's got it. Looking for blocks. Walker still on his feet. Walker still going, looking for the end zone. Clay Walker is in. Touchdown. So ridiculous. And, you know, 
the theme of today's show is going to be a lot of these, in some cases, legendary franchises, but more accurately, teams that have big fan bases that travel well, going on the road and just freaking embarrassing. Either they get the win or, on top of that, they embarrass the other fan base, and it happened repeatedly. Poor Bears, man. They've just had the Packers stepping on their necks for it seems like their entire existence. Rodgers would just openly make fun of them, dropping the freaking insurance belt on them all the time, and that they own them. And then first game out, he's gone. It's over. Salvation if you're a Bears fan. And this freaking kid, Jordan Love, and I know he's not a kid, and I covered him at Utah State. He comes in and he freaking rolls you too? How does this make you feel? Sort of Bears guy, Justin Fields guy. I'm not losing out any hope. Uh, Friday, me and JVT, this is this part of the bet, where if he wasn't that close, you know, in the PFF grading scale, yeah. but if the Bears got a sweep, I would still win. Well, well that's out well, of the window now. Well, you better start. <laughs> Let me, I actually have PFF. I forgot to look this up. Are you sure you want to know this number? Because I think there's a pretty wide gap. Just so you know, over the weekend, Give it to me. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, to put things uh, in perspective, had a very good game. Uh, his offensive rating was an 81.1. Uh, any player that's playing in the 80s, that's pretty solid. Um, I'm going to get this to you. I will get the numbers, the difference between them, uh, a little after 215. But uh, my guess is that Fields was probably somewhere in the 40s, if not in the 30s. And uh, no, he was actually he was actually pretty decent. Twenty four so out of thirty seven. I'm just looking yeah. at the numbers here. The gap's not bad. Yeah. The PFF rating is actually sixty point nine. Uh, that INT was ugly. Give me the other numbers. Twenty four to thirty seven. Two hundred sixteen passing yards. One touchdown. What one like interception. Forty nine rushing. Something like that. Fifty nine rushing yards. Rushing. I didn't memorize every number. Out On there. nine I don't have fantasy. So uh, that was a good example of the Packers again beating up little brother. Uh, this wasn't a little brother situation, but my God, it felt like it. The Steelers just got friggin' pounded by the Niners. And for any of you out there like me who thought, well, you know, tough road game. A lot of people bet the Steelers, too. A lot of people bet the Steelers. Tough road game. Bosa not up to snuff completely. Is Purdy 100%? Uh, they, were, they were 100% like everywhere. I don't think Bosa was, but he played a good amount of plays. And... I hadn't seen this before the game. Patrick Peterson talking trash. And I guess, hey, listen, when you're one of the better cornerbacks of your era, he's in, what, his 14th year. Last week, he sort of said there's some tells in the Niners' offense that they're a little bit vanilla. Are Really? And Purdy made sure, because he beat him on a touchdown pass, he made sure to stand up there and mention Patrick Peterson. Is that on Patrick Peterson? Yeah, and that one, I was like, all right, that, was, that felt good. But, uh, and the second touchdown on the right side, the, the deep ball. Is that on Patrick Peterson? Yeah, and that one, I was like, all right, that, was, that felt good. But uh, it, was, it was good, man. He's a competitor. I have nothing but respect for Patrick Peterson and, and everything that he does. So There you go. So good we played it twice. Uh, Peterson with a rough game. We'll get into the Steelers and Niners, especially the Niners more. A little later in the show, around 3.15, and we are on today from 2 to 5. Every Monday, every Thursday, football season, we switch to 2 to 5 on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, so good I said it twice there, too, with the Mondays and Thursdays. But uh, we're going to talk to one of the dudes who covers the Niners for Niners Wire and does shows on ESPN 1320 out of Sacramento. The other point on the, the Big Brother thing, the road travel for some of these fan bases, I, the one I was shocked at, and it, this officially confirms it, I think the Niners fans 
one, travel as well as any fan base in the NFL, and two, Niners fans are everywhere. What you're, what you're, you're seeing, because the same thing happened to the Chargers with the Dolphins, what you're seeing is a little before you came along, Damon, in the 80s, the dominant teams in the 80s, right, all these pukes around the country – who were like, no, I'm not going to root for my hometown team because I'm a loser and a quitter. So I'm going to go right to the front of the line and root for a winner. I hate all you people because I've stuck with the Jets the whole time. Up yours. But the teams that were good, 80s and early 90s, most of them have these unreal fan bases because in these local cities, there's Niners fans. There's Cowboys fans. There actually are Steeler fans everywhere, including a lot here. I Over the last couple of years, I didn't realize, because they were kind of quiet for a little bit, I didn't realize how many Niners fans were developed out of the Montana and Young era, but like everywhere around the country. The first touchdown the Niners had against the Steelers was like, holy crap, that's a good Steelers fan base. They would never sell their tickets to a rival fan. Oh, they did. It was roaring there when it got positive for the Niners. And I'm not talking late in the game when Steelers fans were getting quiet and embarrassed and probably left. This was at the very beginning of the game. It sounded like a freaking 50-50 crowd. I thought it was a home game. It was legit, loud, man. Legit, just like because I, you know, watching the red zone, and you just, oh, well, let me actually go to this actual Steelers game. You wouldn't have been able to tell me exactly when you look at the field, but I thought it was a home game. I'm like, man, they're kicking their butts because I was late to the party there. And then there's the Raiders and the Broncos, and yes, Raiders fans travel even in times that seem bleak. I don't think they travel like, and there are Raiders fans all over the. Man, there are Raiders fans everywhere, but. You know, it's it's harder to go out to games when you're a 500 franchise, and they've been that of late, making the playoff a couple of years ago. But last year, obviously, was a was a down year, and the expectations for this year weren't super high going into this game. And I'm not going to change my expectations because they beat the Broncos. I think these are both around seven win teams. I have not bought into Sean Payton is going to be a savior. I think Russell Wilson will be better, but I think right now he's hamstrung because he has no receivers. And that's the funny thing. A lot of the reaction, and we'll get into it throughout this show, I think a lot of blame is going to be put on Russell Wilson if the Broncos don't get out to a good start instead of Sean Payton. Sean Payton's a bit Teflon because he had Drew Brees, and people just assume, hey, they were always good. Sean Payton's a genius. Like, okay, let's see what he does with another quarterback and a different type of quarterback. And he was the one saying last week that, oh, we're not going to compare and contrast. They're different quarterbacks. But this is a hell of a run. And what a depressing Monday it must be in Denver because those fans care. They show out. Sports radio in Denver is unlike most markets where football is king in most markets, but it's not like the absolute on Sports Talk Radio. Like I'm, I'm guessing today Colorado's making ground with Dion, but it's still it's probably 10% the topic that the Broncos are. That city lives and dies with the Broncos and – they come out of the gates. The Raiders have tumult, you know, typical Raiders stuff, right? It seems like there's always something going on with Chandler Jones, and they're going against the guy they hate. They love to hate Josh McDaniels. And then they can't move the ball. They can't kick either. They just got a new kicker who Peyton wanted and Will Lutz. Like, so much flopped in that game against a Raiders team with a narrative from many of us, like, hey, are they – Really going to make a run here? They're really trying to win 9, 10, 11 games. That draft was kind of weird. It looked like very much a future draft. So they have all this negativity and doubt going into the game, and they win 
again. They win for a seventh straight time. Did you see the uh, the chart I sent you? NFL Network? Oh, yeah. Everybody picked against so, them. NFL Network, 10 picks, two for the Raiders in a game that was a three-and-a-half-point spread. Two for the Raiders. Daniel Jeremiah. MJD, our guy MJD, right? Uh, kind of built like me now, except I could never run a 4-4, but we both weigh around <laughs> 340 pounds at five foot six. Um, he's a big fella. Um, yeah, Adam Rank, Colleen Wolf. Uh, I don't recognize these other names. Anyway, um, yeah, but they all work for NFL Network, and yeah, eight and two, straight up eight and two. Broncos would beat the Raiders. Uh, even even uh, Jermaine Illuminor tweeted at Colleen Wolf, who does a very fine job. Nice uh, young lady. Um, I don't even know what that emoji is. Kind of like a very frustrated. Like, you picked against us, and she responded by saying, I, "I'll learn my lesson. I learned my lesson for next week." But most people did not think the Raiders are going to win this game. You knew and, I knew they the, were going to win, and the way they won it, I think was was impressive because a lot of it was on defense. And then, how many times could the Raiders not close out games last year? That's that was the entire story. Devontae Adams he mentioned it in the locker room where he said, "Well, you know, players they hear it all." He said, "What it was something like nine games last year, right?" No, it was exactly nine games. You knew the number. You didn't they need to say something like blue. So many halftime leads. Their offense bogged down in the second half. Derek Carr was not very good in the second half last year. Jimmy G is brought in. I'm not going to start this already because it's only one game. It's a small sample size. Carr, our ex here, our ex-boyfriend, uh, we'll get into him and what the Saints did. It was real close to not getting it done, but they, they got it done. But Jimmy G on that final scoring drive was amazing. He moved out of the pocket. I mean, and then this running out the clock, this is absurd for James Garoppolo to get on his horse, right, get it with the Broncos, and get a first down on third and seven. I was sitting at a bar watching, typical Vegas, of course. There were 8 million Broncos fans, loud as hell, whistling. Oh, it got real quiet on this one. Here comes the pressure for the Broncos. Garoppolo has plenty of time, and now he's going to run it. He's going to try to run for the first down. He's got it! And slid down in bounds. You just hear people in the crowd yelling like, Damn it! That... Was amazing. Guy's a winner. Okay, I can't. I can't start with this. It's only one game. No, he is. <laughs> you want to do it, <laughs> Sean Payton? Why are you kicking in an onside kick to start the game? That's when I knew. And then they went down and they scored on the first drive. The arrogance of little Sean. He's not little Shanny. Little Sean. The arrogance. First place in the AFC West. That's another amazing thing. And we'll get to the Chargers. We got a lot of Chargers talk coming out because that was. That was a uh, they they chargered that. I think there were some reasons it happened, but uh, the guillotine is out for many people for Brandon Staley. But right now, people in Vegas are happy. Josh McDaniels and company got the job done. Josh Jacobs is back. He'll be better in the future. You know, decent game didn't blow up, but guess guess who was carrying the rock when they needed to run out the clock? A lot of those carries were Josh Jacobs. So good effort, good win. I you know I told you in the preseason I. If I root against fan bases, number one fan base I root against are the Packers uh, because I think they're spoiled from Favre and Rodgers, and they think that Jordan Love is going to be the guy. Well, he did. He looked like it yesterday. Number two are the Broncos, just complete pukes. Uh, it was backed up when I was out at, at the bar I was talking about, and they were just completely annoying, whistling, being jerks, getting all loud. Uh, just so, so annoying. So annoying. Uh, tonight, Monday Night Football, you got the Bills and the Jets kick off a little after 5 o'clock. John Von Tobel is going to be stationed at Twin Peaks. That is uh, right there on Eastern, just south of the 215. They got great happy hour specials. You got the big beers 
for less than four bucks. There's uh, 19 shots on special for less than five bucks and great food specials. We'll give you more details as John's going to be out there. You go out there. Twin Peaks on a Monday, Monday Night Football with John Von Tobel and ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Yeah, overreaction Monday. I promise I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Did I overreact on the uh, road crowds? Not really. That was the truth, right? Yeah, it was truth. Niners took over Pittsburgh. Yep. Dolphins fans were very loud in, I almost said San Diego, in L.A. Well, they don't have, no, that, I'm not saying that the Dolphins don't have a passionate fan base, but everybody's the home team when you go play the Chargers. Yeah. But the Dolphins do have a lot of fans. Uh, as I said, you had pukes in the 80s and, and early 90s who wouldn't stick with their own team locally, so they picked a great team. And Dan Marino's Dolphins were very good for a long time. So I know where I grew up, there were in, in uh, New Jersey, New York, there were way too many Dolphin fans, which, which can lead to problems. Well, I'm ready to overreact, Steve. I wanted to save this for later, but I wanted to make it. a bet with you. Dolphins are going to finish with a better record than the Jets. Oh, I'm not ready to make that bet. Oh, okay. That might be tomorrow. No, I'm, <laughs> you're going to hear me. Uh, well, I mean, as, as an example, I, I think today I'm hearing, both, I'm, I'm hearing both sides. And I guess you, it can be both sides. I'm hearing both sides of a story in the Dolphins and Chargers game, and we're going to get back to the Raiders and Josh McDaniel's reaction this morning on the Raiders win as they move to 1-0. But I'm hearing that Tyreek Hill is the most unstoppable player in the National Football League. Yesterday he had 11 catches, 215, a couple of touchdowns, just daggers late in the game, absolute daggers. And I'm hearing he's unstoppable, but then I'm hearing Staley sucks. Now it can be somewhere in between, but what is it? Is he unstoppable or Staley sucks and the Chargers' defense sucks? You, you really can't go with both angles at the same time. Uh, Chris Carlin, who's now with Joe Fortenbaugh, in a show they're calling Carlin versus Joe, I listened on and off for like an hour and a half today. I didn't hear them disagree one time. So get rid of the name versus uh, if you're not going to ever argue. And I'm not saying it has to be fake. They never disagreed with each other, right? So when you do national and you're actually not around the teams in the Pacific and, and mountain time zones, I think you get a little more blustery, right? You can take a big sack and drop it on the table and act like you're a tough guy. And Staley's been one of these targets, right? So I guess Carlin, this is going to be one of his targets. Uh, Fat Rex, who used to coach the Jets and the Bills, he's been all over it. I think that's just a jealousy thing because Rex can't get back in the NFL. Even Sean Payton was like, you know, we'll give you an interview, but it's going to be just for S's and giggles. I know you feel bad that you can't get back into the NFL. We'll talk to you. I was so hoping for the Broncos to hire Rex Ryan as the D.C. to then have to face the Chargers, but that didn't happen. Um they lost to a very good offensive team, and when two is upright, this might be a top-five offensive team. And yesterday they were just ridiculous, but this is the, uh, one of the uh, national hosts on ESPN National talking about Staley after one loss this year. Joe, I can't understand how this buffoon continues to have a job. <laughs> That's always a great word. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I am blown away by the fact that he – is in charge of this defense, and it continues to be awful. I am blown away by the fact that Miami had their way with them all over the field yesterday. You're blown away that Miami has a really good offense. Now, Staley's got to do a better job defensively. Obviously, the second-half collapse last year was in the playoffs. It was ridiculous against the Jaguars. But, I don't know, it's hard to tell what the Chargers' defense is yet until they face mortals. 
Uh, they blew coverage, and they they also didn't they didn't bring enough help. One, the uh, the game winning touchdown. I don't know how you throw a Ooh. fade pattern to a guy who's five foot eight. How does that even work? And the ball was right there. Put your hands up! Don't face guard the receiver when he's five eight. They're not going to high point you. So that's on Staley. But like I said, there's two sides here. The Dolphins are ridiculous. Now, like he said, he can't understand how this buffoon stays around. I often say that about radio people. I can't understand how they have national jobs. But um, a guy I respect, Colin Cowherd, was talking to uh, John Middlecoff on their podcast, and they brought up the same question about what is happening here with the Chargers and Staley. And this is a big day for the Raiders because the Chargers could have won that game they couldn't stop them late, and then they got nothing going on their drive to go down and, and get a field goal to make it 37-36. Here's Heard on his podcast on Sunday. I look at Brandon Staley, and I think, I'm sure he's a smart guy. I don't see the coaching. No one disputes like his ability on a whiteboard to tell you what you should do. But eventually, in these situations, watching Tyreek Hill today, who's not just one of the best players in the NFL, he's one of the truly great players of all time. If Steph Curry's going for 60 on you, by the time he gets to 40, you throw a couple guys at him, right? Have the safety cheat. Do not put him in one-on-one situations. And he's the defensive play caller. What are you doing on defense? Good analogy, Steph Curry. Yeah. He was lighting him up. But sometimes, just like Steph Curry, sometimes you just got to say, hey, that's better offense. Right? I mean, you never want to throw your hands up and go, there's nothing we can do. But yeah. yesterday, there it just it looked, it looked desperate. It looked real desperate. Um, we'll play a little more from Carlin, the uh, the midday guy for our time on ESPN National, who said that Staley will be the first head coach fired. Um, again, I, unfortunately, when you work in the Northeast and you're from the Northeast, you don't understand the Spanos family. They're not real knee jerk, which I think you know, it, it's good for Staley because there are some other NFL ownership like. Jim Irsay, I don't know what he'd be doing the last 24 hours. What he'd be ingesting, what he would be going through right now. Um, he'd be freaking out if you lost in the playoffs that way and then you lost that game yesterday. And I'll tell you, the other thing I was disappointed in is the the way the Chargers offense was organized on that final drive. I mean, you can't anticipate that the Dolphins are going to freaking bring it. And that that's the other thing. There's a difference – what annoys me sometimes about Staley and the Chargers is they don't go for the jugular. And it's almost like nerve-wracking them, nerve-wracking watching them inside the 10-yard line on offense, right? They're on the doorstep. You're like, are they going to get a touchdown here? Or are, we, you know, are you sitting here playing for a field goal? There's never a confidence. With the Dolphins, I, McDaniel, I think he is, he's willing to gamble. He's going to be aggressive. And I thought their defense was tremendous on that final drive. Because, listen, and I don't want to bring up the money, but I will – there are quarterbacks in this league who are making $40 million plus. If you get the ball back with 145 and you're not in your own one-yard line and you got, you know, whatever it was, 45 yards to go to set up a field goal. Two timeouts. And, you and yep, and timeouts, and you don't get it done, that's a problem. And some of it was on Herbert, but a lot of it was on the protection. And I don't know if that's Herbert's responsibility or the play calling. Kellen Moore, supposed to be a savior. That, that looked like terrible execution. Uh, Raiders, only team in the division to win – in week one, they're one and zero now. Uh, let me hear from Josh McDaniels as he talks about uh, oh, celebrating a week one victory. Is this going to be like super upbeat, Josh? 
look, when you win a game in the, in the league, um, you know, you should be excited about doing that. It's hard to do that. I mean, this every game's hard, you know, it doesn't matter who you play, doesn't matter where you play. Uh, they're all difficult because every team has good players and good coaches and it's tough to win. And so I think our team responded appropriately to that, to win a division game on the road against a good team um, who's also well coached and got good players. And so uh, that's a that's a good thing. They should be happy about that. And at the same time, I think they they knew right away um, it didn't take very long. We weren't even on the plane and they knew that, you know, there's a lot of areas where we need to uh, improve and we can improve. Um, I loved our attitude this morning. Uh, I've already seen everybody this morning. So um, they have a great focus about trying to fix the things that they didn't do well individually uh, or collectively as a unit, which obviously will only help our team. There you go. A very reserved Josh McDaniels who said at the beginning, look, it's hard to win in this league. I'm sure he was – he's downplayed it. I'm sure he was so fired up right after the game on the plane even this morning been able to stick it to the Broncos again because that media and those fans and the former players freaking tear him to shreds. On the way back, we'll hear more from Josh McDaniels, who spoke in the middle of the day. Raiders out to a 1-0 and start. Uh, he'll talk about Josh Jacobs' performance and also getting it done late in the game. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Hey, during the break, Damon and I were talking about the uh, UNLV-Michigan game. We'll get to that around 3.30. Interesting thoughts coming out of the game, and I was at the UNLV football press conference this morning. They're doing every Monday with some players and with Barry Odom. Uh, we'll get to some of the things that happened out there. Um, impressive place, I'll say that. I wasn't let down by the big house. It's a lot of people. It is gigantic. And uh, it was mostly good times for Michigan, so they got loud. They got loud. But very good times yesterday. That's a... Winnable game against the Broncos. Raiders are not favored coming into the season in many of these games, and that was a toss-up game, basically, you know, home field and the hook. They wound up winning outright. Uh, lots of mistakes by the, the Broncos. And then down the stretch, I thought the Raiders were great. I mean, when they needed to execute, they did on both sides of the ball. But first, uh, Jacobs just came back. Wasn't 100%. You could see that. But he did yeoman's work down the stretch. Here's uh, Josh McDaniels talking about Josh Jacobs in uh, basically, what, nine days in, ten days into this thing. Yeah, it was an interesting – like I said last night, it was an interesting game because I think he played uh, in the teens in the first half, you know, and it was like, you know, normally you'd like your play count to be a little higher. So uh, just by the nature of how the game went, um, I didn't think think we would be able to push it to 65 or 70 – um, but because we were so low in the play count in the first half, I felt like we would just let him kind of determine how he felt as he went into the second half. So um, he's a football player and he wants to play football. So um, love having him out there. Uh, again, there's there's going to be things that we're going to see. He he's Nobody's more critical on his own performance than J.J. So he'll see things that he can do better uh, and he'll work really hard at improving, uh, as will our team. So I was I was not surprised that he was okay to do it. Um, and like I said, the game was a little strange in that Jake, regard. Sorry, Jacobs played uh, 47 plays. That's a lot. Played 47 snaps. Uh, here's McDaniels on the play down the stretch to uh, help seal the victory for the Raiders. 100%. Um, again, I think there's many lessons you learn every game you play, and I would actually start, Vinny, with the you know, roughing the punter 
you know, on a, we had an opportunity to make a play there and block a punt and, and just, you know, just missed that opportunity and then, block, you know, ended up getting called for the roughing call. And then, you know, um, you know, the defense has to has to make a ultimately has to make a red zone stop there to force a field goal, which preceded the scoring drive that took the lead and then the three and out and then the four minute drive. So I thought there was a lot of mental toughness and resiliency required from our team, um, you know, in that situation on the road. And um, I thought our maturity showed up. We didn't flinch. Uh, the guys hung in there, just kept trying to focus on doing their job. And and I thought we played some of our best football uh, at the end of the game, which uh, obviously you're going to need that in close games. Could have also said, obviously, we didn't do last year. And sometimes those 50-50 games just go wrong for you one year, and two years ago they won every freaking one of them. But it's not – Ultimately, it's not a coin flip. There are things you do to be a good team in closing out games, and they did it. I mean, Garoppolo with a seven-yard scramble, that's unheard of. The ground game got downhill. They had a couple of nice receptions. And to get the ball back with 5.08 and run out the clock, I mean, Sean Payton's got to want to put his head through a freaking mirror after the game. That is infuriating. And the Raiders did it to him. The Raiders did it to him. (laughs) Jacoby Myers. Hobie's okay, but, man, he had a hell of a game. Uh, that's a good storyline to get into. You know, let's save that. Vic uh, Tafer from The Athletics is coming up. Uh, wonder what's going on with Jacoby Myers from a health standpoint. Hunter Renfro didn't play a whole lot in the game, so maybe Myers is kind of the new Renfro, not exactly the same position. Or maybe we can just go with glass overflowing. They've got a lot of receivers they can use, and week to week the targets are going to be distributed in different ways. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. All right, let's continue the breakdown of the Raiders' season-opening victory. Vic Tafer, our buddy from The Athletic, was in Denver. He's up with Cofield and Damon. Victor, how are you, buddy? Doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Where are you right now? I'm in Denver. I'm, uh, i got to wait a while. I'm going to uh, West Virginia. They're going to practice this week, so I'm uh, hanging out here in Denver. Yeah, we know uh, our buddy Adam Hill was making that trek as well. Uh, before we get into the game yesterday, why exactly is there a stop in West Virginia before they play the Bills? It's a great question. I don't have an answer <laughs> for you. I believe it's because, you know, I get used to the weather or the time zone or maybe to isolate, but I haven't had a great answer. Especially because they came home. They came home last night. They're leaving us from Vegas uh, today right. to um, West Virginia. So, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, I can't really give you a good answer for that one. Yeah, I know. It was a Belichick thing. Um and I thought it was more apt when you know you're going west than east, but I, I don't know. So whatever, if it works and they play a competitive game, maybe win, pull the upset. That's a nine and a half point spread. But let's first take care of business with this game uh, yesterday. What was the most pleasant surprise for you with the Raiders? Most pleasant surprise for me. Um, good question. I guess the defense. You know, they made some plays towards the end. There. I thought early on they were kind of getting dinked and dunked. It wasn't. Uh, wasn't a lot of pressure on Russell Wilson, but they got better as the game went on, which is what you want to see. Yeah. Uh, they made some plays. I thought the rookie, uh, Jaquan Bennett, a good tackler. I thought Nate Hobbs was kind of flying around. Um, Diablo looked very athletic, as we know he is, and made some plays. So I thought they were, they were good uh, in the second half, and they kind of were the reason why they won that game. Yeah, I mentioned surprise because I, I thought you might mention Jimmy G, but the guy's been such a winner over the years. I guess we got to see up close why he wins a lot of close games. Yeah, they only scored like 17 points. I mean, the first one's kind of a gift and offside kick, so I can't give the offense too much credit. But yeah, they won. He made the plays when it counted. I think it was what, four or five 
on that winning drive. He had a couple of first downs with his legs. So definitely you see the ploys. You see why guys like him, why teams have won with him. So I think that was all, all a good sign. Things on offense that you didn't like where you're like, hey, they got to get better with this or they're not going to have any chance to go you know, 500 or better. Yeah, I thought, you know, the run blocking obviously wasn't great, but I think then again the block was kind of stacked in line, so that's, that's tough to really say. But um, I don't know if wasn't involved in the offense, unless it was going to be a long-term thing. I thought the tight ends also weren't that involved. But again, you're just kind of taking what you get, so I thought that was all more than made up for the fact that Myers was kind of a reliable target for the Jimmy. Has there been an update on Jacoby Myers' status? Yeah, he's in the concussion protocol. So uh, I saw him last night after the game. A lot he was walking around. I mean, obviously I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but as far as concussions I've seen in the past, it looked like he's doing all right. So it's usually a two or three day process. You go through all these hurdles and tests and on field tests. So if everything checks out, maybe he uh, will know more in, in a couple days. And with Devontae Adams, I don't know if you talked to him specifically after the game. How did he feel about his performance? Because Patrick Sertan, he was doing a really good job with the coverage with him. Yeah, I think he was happy. The main thing is they won the game. I thought he was happy to see Myers come involved. He said he and Jimmy had a good dialogue about what plays that whether they were getting, what plays they weren't getting, maybe some toes that Jimmy missed. So he likes the dialogue. He has high hopes for the offense getting better as they go on. And then with Zamir White, do you think that that's what we should expect him to be involved when it comes to the snap count that he had? Yeah, I'm just, I mean, I think Josh didn't have a full load. I think Josh had like almost a 40-something snaps, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I think going forward, I was Josh Eggert is the guy. He's uh, not like he's running the ball catch. He's a good pass blocker. We saw that last first down run. So he's a key guy who's going to play a lot. I think Zamir will just have to find his spots here and there. Vic Tafer still in Denver as he gets ready for the uh... – Cross-country trek. Uh, by the way, you're looking forward to staying in West Virginia for a couple of days. Have you been there? I've never been there, man. So I'm going to explore. I'm going to do some skeet shooting. I'm going to do some good stuff. I'm gonna, I don't know what they have there. The country, uh, fried steaks. I don't know what the hell they have there. But I'm looking forward to it, I guess. <laughs> you're not doing skeet shooting. Not really, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to look, look it up. What else do you do there? I, I got some. I'm not, why, why not? I got the practices, what, a couple hours a day. Locker room is an hour a day. That's a lot of time I'll be in. Uh, All right. In Greenbrier, West Virginia, so i got to explore what's, uh, what's up. That's what West Virginia needs is uh, you and Big Adam walking around with uh, rifles or, like, muskets. Very what dangerous. can go wrong? Nothing say, cool. Very dangerous scenario. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the other side here. Uh, Sean Payton's a very arrogant guy. Um, right out of the gates, did you like the onside kick? Because it did cost him. It almost worked. I mean, I think it was, like, it was very close. He said he saw something in film, which kind of gave him a uh, – and yeah, you know, the crowd when the first second before the you know, the flag was thrown, the, the crowd was going crazy. So if it works, definitely it's a, it's a nice gamble. But it didn't work. It gave him points. Might have cost him the game. You look at it that way. But if it's you know your first your first plays, a new coach, a new regime, why not? I mean, I think it was a it was a good gamble. What do you think about the uh, offensive game plan by the Broncos? And I, I, you know, I will say to people, the Broncos are a little bit limited right now in terms of weapons on the outside. Yeah, they missed Jerry Judy. I think you definitely saw they didn't have a lot of big plays, uh, ability downfield, so kind of thinking and dunk. I thought Russell looked good. I thought Russell made some plays and looked mobile, got out of the pocket, so I thought that was a good time for them and then little Sean Payton marriage, but clearly they definitely have some limitations on offense. What did the Raiders do well, especially in the second half? Because he had a really big first half, was super efficient, uh, but really in the second half they didn't move at all in the area. I think he only had 52 yards throwing. Yeah, you know, they weren't giving, giving the big play, which is a the whole game, and it kind of got better in the short stuff second half. I thought the pass rush got home a little more often. I thought uh, Tilly was playing on the outside for the first time. 
with Charlie Jones being out, thought he did a good job. Uh, so I thought, you know, just kind of a nice team effort. And again, realizing that he can't get hurt too badly uh, deep, so he can kind of come more and, and force things up, up, up front. Dick Tafer from The Athletic, one of the uh, great beat writers who covers the Raiders in Denver right now up on Cofield and Company as we recap the season open victory, season opening victory against the Broncos. It's amazing in all of football how many times the kicking game becomes a pivotal deal in a game. And, man, he brings in this guy, Will Lutz, who he'd coached for a long time and, you know, by reputation as an outstanding kicker, but just disaster. I mean, you know, disaster is a strong word, but a couple of plays here and there, and it winds up costing him the victory. Definitely did. I think not only, you know, you missed the extra point, but then the field goal, I think, you know, that's a case where if you don't have confidence, like I know you go for it in a fourth down, maybe you can actually keep the drive going. So definitely it cost them four points, if not more. And then McManus, who's off to Jacksonville, has a perfect day. Yeah, that's usually the way it works. He's usually the guy you got rid of that does well, and yep. you kind of suffer a little bit. But uh, again, I think, you know, Sean Payton, he's going to be growing things, but I think the crowd's fired up, and the players seem like they're energized by him. So I think long term, it's probably going to work out. So if Jacoby Myers is okay, is back sooner than later, what do you think his role is? Is he a guy who's going to be taking catches away from Adams? Could this be a dude who essentially snuffs out someone like Hunter Renfro? Because that was kind of interesting. Renfro was only out there for 13 snaps. Yeah, I think ideally, uh, obviously from chemistry going already, him and Jimmy G, ideally he becomes a reliable target and teams can't really focus so much on Devontae, so it kind of opens things up for him down the road, but Clearly, Adams is your top guy. Jimmy knows that. I think he can make plays other guys can't. But definitely Myers gives you that balance on both sides of the field, which you can't really attack defenses a lot better than last year. Vic, I want to move it over to the defensive side of the ball. And Steve's first question, pleasantly surprised you named Ja'Korian Bennett. When was it known that he was going to be starting outside of Marcus Peters? Uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a guess it. They didn't never really say things. They like to keep things secret. But I always thought David Law was kind of in the mix. But it makes sense, and they're trying to show the young guys are kind of the foundation of the team. He had a good camp. He's a very mature rookie. You know, you talk to him; he's definitely got a you know, definitely uh, older you know, in his years. Indicate, but uh, he didn't have a great game in terms of coverage. But I thought, like, like I said, he made good tackles. I thought you can see why he's a guy they're excited about. And then Tyree Wilson, the other rookie, the first round pick. What did you think of his performance? I know that he's coming off of that foot injury and really didn't even play until the last preseason game. Yeah, I'm gonna give him a pass. I thought he didn't look good. I know people were blasting on social media. It looks like you know the ball would be snapped in like you know <laughs> one one thousand, two one thousand. Like it'd be a long time before he got, got going, and that pause kind of was killing people watching on TV. But again, like you mentioned he missed most of camp. He had a foot, you know, foot injury. Uh, the mile high air is not great for a guy in his first game. I can't imagine the guy still working his way up. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. But um, yeah, it didn't play well. But again, it's his first game for a guy who missed most of camp. What do you think of Marcus Peters? Well, he was solid. I thought, yeah, I think, yeah, to me, um, he looks the part. I'm not sure if he's going to, you know, the guy he was five years ago, but I think he won't uh, get beat too bad. Like, he's definitely a leader, a leader on this team and brings, brings some swagger to the, to the defense. So, uh, I think it was a good addition for him because they had nobody else. So, they needed somebody back there. Dick Tafer is with us. The Athletic covering the Raiders. Season opening victory. 1-0 now as they've beaten the Broncos seven times in a row. All right, so Tyree Wilson is going to be a project. Take a little while to get going here. Do they need to have Chandler Jones back? And what did McDaniel say about Jones moving forward? Uh, we asked him today at the Zoom. He said nothing new. He's like a comment on it. But I can't imagine Chandler Jones is back anytime soon. I think, um, you know, when you say, uh, you know, ask the coach, ask the gym on social media, that's, that's not a great thing. So, especially if you're one of their guys, the former Patriot guy. So I don't know what he's going through. It's kind of been uh, a little vague. And 
But uh, I think right now things won't change. I think they'll probably be away from the team for a while, and we'll see how it all plays out. And he was still posting stuff over the weekend, right? Yeah, some of them were like he was smiling. It was like, man, enjoying the game. He, he, I think he congratulated his teammates in the win. So he's definitely actively uh, doing something. I don't really, it's hard to, I don't want to guess what his deal is, but clearly there's an issue with him and the team. Clearly he got triggered and kind of got upset, and now he's in more than a good space. But I, I just can't imagine how you walk all that back. And yep. They won also. They won, they won without him, so that's a big thing. So you kind of can tell your players, hey, see, we don't need this guy. We can, you know, we, we can make it on our own. Yeah, and that, the hard thing to walk back for me is the trust because if a guy goes through a five- or six-day period where he's firing stuff out that you know you text it to him or private conversations, how do you how do you pack that back in, right? I mean, especially especially with Patriots West with McDaniel. I mean, this guy's already you know freaking tightly wound. If he feels like there's any crack, uh, lack of trust, I don't think he's going to want him back on the team. Yeah, I think you're right. Once you, once you publicize text with you and the coach, the GM and the owner, that's definitely hard to walk back from. Especially for a guy who you're paying a lot of money and was a, lead, a quote unquote leader last year, a guy you brought in from the Patriots. That's, yeah, it's not like a young guy didn't know better, a guy made a mistake. He can't just say, oh, my bad. I'm, you know, I, I didn't know. I mean, clearly they brought him in, you know, because he thought he'd be a trusted veteran guy. And these are not, you know, veteran type moves he's made in the last two weeks. What do you think is going to happen tonight? You know, Monday Night Football, obviously, it's pertinent to the situation with the Raiders heading to Buffalo. Who wins tonight, Jets or Bills? I have no idea. My picks were terrible this week. Ah, I got no, the Jets no, is fine. No. Me. No. Bet, bet, the fly, bet the fly on the Bills because I, I got the Jets. I just think okay. it's a good spot for them. Well, I will do but, that. Uh, I, I, like you, I, I like you being uh, mush on this, but come on, man. It's, it's overreaction Monday. You can't overreact to one bad week of picks. <laughs> oh, but I can. I oh, guess, but well, I can. You um <laughs> But again, I think it's a great game. Obviously, the Jets have a huge home for advantage. I think you're going to be Larry Rodgers. I think it's looked like he's been really doing well and adjusted quickly to the offense of his teammates. So I think the Bills are kind of taking a step down from last year. So I do think it's a toss-up game. I went with the home team. Just I think it's a good spot for him. All right. Vic, we appreciate it. We know you got a long travel day. Thanks, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, okay? I guess. Take care. There he is, one of our favorites. Big Vic. Big Vic. Big Adam. Rifles. Skeet shooting. Let's do it. Adam's not picking up a gun. I just don't see that. I would. I would pay for that. I'd pay for the content just to see him with the recoil. Yeah, what they just whatever they do in West Virginia. <laughs> All right, three o'clock hour is on the way. Again, reminder: every Monday and Thursday with football season here, we go to Monday and Thursday night football at five o'clock. So early start. Don't miss the two p hour.